Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Howdy there. This is Benjamin Boyce, and welcome to the Voice of Reason podcast. Today's guest is Scott Nugent, who's a trans man and a spitfire or a firebrand, whichever is the better one of those two. He tells me about his trans journey and his ethical quandary right now, watching certain strains of the medical industry, the psychological industry, and the media industry push young people, specifically children, down lifelong medicalization in order to affirm their gender identity. This is a pull no punches conversation, and I know a number of you are going to get a kick out of Scott. So here he is. What is kind of your uh, transition story rooted in? When I was younger, I had one sister. I had a father that was a uh, you know very masculine father. He played professional baseball, then he raced motorcycles, and um, so for me, I always wanted to go down that road, but I had a, uh, a very loving and open father. So growing up, I mean, I raced motocross and desert, you know, play, played sports year round. Um, so, I mean, I would say things like, you know, to my uncle one time, I remember I said, I, you know, I want to be a boy for Christmas. And he just looked at me and said, well, you can't do that. Um, and I just kind of went, well, that sucks and just kind of moved on with it. But as I grew up, um, I, I came into more of my femininity, my other side of my family. My mother is, is very feminine. Um, mm. I call her, you know, the original uh, misgendered woman. Everybody always thought she was a drag queen growing up because she was just so feminine. Um, so I, I kind of delved into that side a little bit, and, and it worked for me. I, I was able to do what I call uh, get in drag and get in drag very well. And I, I think if you saw pictures of me, in business and stuff, I, I made sure that I, I fit in and, and uh, I didn't look on the outside, but there was always a discomfort. But for me, it wasn't um, tearing at my soul like it was for some. Mm. Um, and how did that uh, discomfort grow into something that you wanted to uh, deal with head on? Well, you know, it, it, it's funny that, that you asked that because my my personality for, for whatever reason has never been one that has been very feminine. Uh, I've always kind of been an in your face, the alpha person and I always have been, and I always will be. Um, but I, I fell in love with somebody that was a very, very devout Catholic, very, very devout Catholic. Um, and, uh, unfortunately her family did not accept homosexuality at all. And, uh, so, when we got together, I was kind of known as the, the lesbian devil, but nobody ever met me. Uh, they didn't never saw pictures of me. So I kind of was going through that process when uh, Jenner was, was transitioning. And I just said, you know what? I've always thought about it. Seems like it would fix the solution. It seems like a, a Disney fairy tale. Well, why don't we give it a shot? So. Hmm. And so you... You then pursued transition to fit in socially or to bring your, I guess, who you were into a more socially acceptable uh, 
out, outside performance f- specifically for that family, um, but for the world in general. I think that, that, was the, uh, that was the icing on the cake. It, it definitely was not uh, the, the whole reason why I did this. I, I am actually happy with my transition. I wouldn't change it. I would change some of the decisions I made with some of the surgeons that I chose and some of the uh, processes that I did, but I wouldn't change it. Uh, and, and you find a lot of people that transition and find on the other side, go, wow, this is really good for me. Most of them will say, I wouldn't do it again, though. <laughs> but mm. I wouldn't change it if I could. And that's mm. kind of how I. How did the um, hormones uh, affect you? Did, did it um, kind of accentuate things that had already been a part of you? Or did it um, fill out certain aspects of life? Well, hormones this is these are things that we're not talking about and we need to talk about the, the transition process when you have been kind of socialized as male or female regardless of whether you realize it you have been socialized to one aspect of the gender it doesn't matter how butch a woman is it doesn't matter how feminine a male is you are still socialized for that so when you start to go into the transition process, and we're not talking about this with kids, there's a social aspect to it. There's an anxiety aspect to it on top of the way you process thoughts are completely different. What you thought you were acceptable was acceptable for you know other people's behavior might not be this acceptable once uh, those hormones start to come in place. So hmm. your mind goes through this, um, I call it a fight for dominance. You have a uh, a fight for an estrogen dominance or your, your birth hormone. And then you have this synthetic dominance and they go at it for mm. several months. And so it takes a while for you to get that balance, get that uh, structure. And what happens is, is that one day you wake up and go, everybody has changed in my life. You know, my best friend, I'm, I really, I'm, I'm not really fond of that person anymore. And this person that I thought was an asshole is actually really nice now. And so I always say that you have an organic matter. When you pull out one dominant hormone and then you put in another, you get a completely different person. And that is very uh, stressful. It's a lot of anxiety. And you wake up thinking how everybody has changed in my life. And the honesty is, is that you're the person that has changed. Hmm. And so you have to structure your life around that. So there's lots of emotional stuff uh, that we don't talk about mm-hmm. with uh, transition. We need to. What were some of the um, practices or uh, you know tools that you ended up using to assist you in that you know sea change that, of personality? There's, it's kind of you discover it on your own. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not anything that um, there's no outline for it. I mean, you, you could search on the Internet all you want. Um, you can read all you want, but all you're going to get are, are Disney experiences, and, and that's wrong. So it makes you feel like, hey, there's something wrong with me. You know, there's a process where you start to go through hormones where you get the, uh, I call it the, what the fuck are they, kind of a look. <laughs> and, and you're walking out oh. in public, you see people have that where people are like, is that a girl or is that a boy? And, and people are stop, you know, trying to pick their pronouns because yeah. we realize it or not, we are uh, structured from very little to call males by male pronouns, females by female pronouns. When you have the what the fuck are you kind of stage, 
it's very anxiety ridden for the person that's dealing with it and for everybody else that's dealing with it too. And we don't yeah. talk about those things. Yeah. What are some of the realizations that you had about the expectations of being a woman that, uh, I guess the positives and negatives that you, uh, don't miss and that you might, uh, might've found useful. You know, that's funny. There's a story, um, probably a couple of years ago, my daughter just thinks this is hilarious. Uh, we were out to lunch one time and I had fully transitioned by that time. And so there was no mistaking that, that I looked uh, male. And um, as, as a female, one of the things that I learned very easily, and I actually have this in male too, is I'm, I'm a huge flirt. I'm a huge flirt with males, females. I don't really care. I'm just a flirt. And it was acceptable to flirt with males as a female. Especially, you know, uh, when I was out, out and about. So um, we were at lunch and I had completely transitioned and my daughter needed something. And I, I just I stopped the server. I said, excuse me, uh, uh, sweetie, can you get uh, this this, you know, something, something for my daughter? And uh, he looked at me and I gave him a wink. And I went, thanks a lot. And he like walked away like fucking asshole. And I thought to myself, my daughter looked across the table and goes, you know, you don't look like a woman anymore, right? And I went, ah, fuck. <laughs> so, there's lots of stuff like that that happen. Um, hmm. It's funny. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, the way you society is very, very different. And before I transitioned, I was a powerhouse business saleswoman. I mean, I when I walked in the room, people were like, who the fuck is that? Okay. I had the confidence of a lion. Um, when I spoke, people listened. And I found myself going through the transition process that in the middle of it, it was like, I didn't want to leave my house. I didn't want to talk. I had lost that uh, charisma that I once had. I found myself questioning things. And because I was trying to figure out who I was, and that happens in in puberty, right? Where as kids, we kind of go, okay, wait a second. What in the fuck's going on? (laughs) I used to present this way, and then all of a sudden I'm feeling different this way, and I'm trying to find my footing. I'm trying to find uh, everything. And I went from a powerhouse to just a a mouse in in a matter of probably about nine months, and it took me a couple of years to come out and find my footing again. Mm. These are also things that we're not talking about. What age were you when you uh, began the transition? 42. Oh, okay. And what are your thoughts or what are your kind of generally your views about uh, transition happening younger and younger? I think it's criminal. I really do. I think we are on the forefront of seeing something that people will read in history and go, how in the fuck did that happen? I think there's going to be people that are going to be thrown in jail soon. Um, I think that we're going to discover some pretty nasty, nasty things. Uh, some nasty marketing that we're doing uh, to children. So here's the thing, Benjamin. For the first time in history, a marginalized group has a dollar sign attached to it. (laughs) So think about it this way. It took 60 years for the LGBT to get same-sex marriage, right? And what did we have to do? We had to convince society, truthfully, that we were not going after their kids. We just wanted to be able to see our loved one if they were dying. We wanted to be able to, you know, uh, get insurance together. We, you know, we wanted to celebrate our love financially in all different ways. It had nothing to do with children, right? That took 60 years. So now the trans uh, community is being monetized 
And all of a sudden, it has only taken three to five years for everybody to accept uh, the, the, the trans phenomenon. So you have to think to yourself, why is that? It's because there's a dollar sign attached to it. It's the fact that, you know, Lupron makes $24,000 a year for every child that gets on hormone blockers. So if we take a study that was done in a very small area of the UK that had 97 kids, and we fast forward several years and that 97 goes to over 4,000, we're talking about $2 million worth of revenue to over $100 million in revenue in a size that would fit into Texas 15 times. Now mm. multiply that by the world. This is a billion dollar industry. Medical transitioning is no place for a child and unfortunately people are not looking at this from a from a constructive standpoint what they're doing is is they're reading these studies that are two to five years long but they're not taking a look at the long term we only have one long-term study that was done by medically transitioned adults and what it found was is exactly what's happening right now which is the christmas present phase which is the oh look i've got a new hair on my face or my face looks more feminine and and everybody's getting really excited about that well that hasn't transitioned into the oh fuck you know what am i who are they male female pronoun it hasn't transitioned into finishing all of the surgeries and what ha they found in that study is about seven to ten years suicidal ideation is the highest after medical transition hmm. and the reason why is because nobody knows what happens from zero to seven years and at seven years you can usually talk to anybody that has medically transitioned and they will say holy fuck that was a lot harder than what i thought and i don't know if i would do it again mm -hmm. and those are adults that they did that study on, that contemplated that, that made decisions when their brains were fully matured. A lot of them decided it was the wrong thing to do. It was mm -hmm. the wrong thing to do. And detransitions, the ones that didn't, they get to a point where they go, okay, I'm either going to have peace or I'm going to fucking kill myself. And unfortunately, we're not there with kids yet. Okay. And that seven years to 10 years is coming and we're going to have a suicide epidemic that this world has never seen. And the people that are pushing medical transition, like the Susie Greens, the Mermaids, the Luprons, the Dr. Cranes, all these people that are monetizing things, it has nothing to do with love. It has to do with they have a dollar sign on their head. And that is a really sad place to be in society because if we get to the point where we throw kids under the bus for money, we might as well just, you know, come out of our houses and live with animals. One of the ways or one of the ways in which this conversation is fraught or is difficult is because we are dealing with a marginalized group and that marginalization is used to shut down conversation. And the most obvious example right now, if you're on Twitter, is the way in which J.K. Rowling is being, uh, I guess you could just say, treated uh, by a certain contingent of the radical um uh, pro-trans side. Uh, how do we go through and separate that marginalization or separate out that you know, potential harm of erasing somebody's existence and focus on the facts? What, what is needed to, to shift the conversation toward um, this non-idolizing uh, you know, idolizing or coddling of the marginalized in order to focus on the uh, deterring the further marginalization of, 
of gay You're kids, let's say. Rollins, right? Pardon? Rollins? Uh, about- J.K. Rowling, uh, Harry Potter. Yeah. yeah um, you know, <laughs> I have to say that um, with, with all respect, that woman has balls of steel. I mean, what she has done is, you know, I, I take my hat off to her. I really do. And I don't say that about a lot of people. I um, <laughs> don't idolize very many people. I do her. And I'll tell you why. Because for her to say something like that, somebody that has fought for LGBT rights, a person that has stood up and fought for gays and lesbians and has made me watch about 350 fucking hours of those movies with my son. (laughs) I mean, for somebody that is that famous, that has that much to lose, to say, listen, I don't know if this is the right thing to do. What it's done is that it's gotten it to the forefront. To answer your question is this. I said this about 14 months ago. There was me and maybe one or two other people uh, on Twitter that were talking about medically transitioning kids or about biology. Hmm. Um, And at first, people really didn't like me until they understood where I stood and, and what I stood for. And then all of a sudden people that were bashed by, you know, trans women like Yannick or whatever her name is, um, they came out of being shell-shocked and went, hey, wait a second, this this trans guy is kind of, you know, making some sense. And I, and I said, the only people that are going to stop the travesty of what's going to happen, only people that are going to save children are going to be transgender adults. Unfortunately, the only people that are at the forefront right now, and I apologize if this offends you, are white, straight, Christian males. And unfortunately, nobody listens to them anymore. Hmm. Nobody listens to them. And the reason why is because the people that are my age are the people that were uh, the ones that saw all the coming out stories, all the the horrible things that happened to uh, gay and lesbian kids coming, the, the therapy, the conversion therapy, the hate. And we are all the ones that were in middle school and high school saying, I would never do that to my kid. I would never. I would accept my kid from the beginning. These are all the parents. So all these parents are thinking that they're doing the right thing. And the truth is, is that there are some that benefit from medical transition. I was one of them. And there are others out there. Not enough for this billion-dollar industry, so they have created it. So to answer your question... White straight males need to step aside and they need to let rational trans come in and say, listen, this has nothing to do with acceptance. It has nothing to do with acceptance. In fact, us having to focus on saving kids makes it so I can't figure out a way to protect trans women. I can't figure out the kind of rights that I need. I can't figure out uh what we need to call ourselves, how we need to say, you know what, to be a trans woman, you have to go through this much, you know, uh, hormone therapy. And then, you know, you go through here and then the pronoun, I can't figure, none of us can figure that out because we're all the rational trans just like sit behind going, excuse me, we're getting ready to experience a suicide epidemic. These kids are going to start fucking blowing their heads off and we need to stop this before we can figure out our rights. So what are some of the steps then that that you think need to happen in order for, I mean, your argument to get to the forefront? And what is that argument or what is the basis of it? Well, um, first of all, our rational trans voices are not amplified in, in the media. 
They're just not. Unfortunately, society mm-hmm. feels like it has to do with uh, it has to do with rights. The the media doesn't really care <laughs> about about people that are outside of of the you know the kind of railroad of, of what they want us to think. So our voices are 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 not on the forefront. The voices that are on the forefront are the people that are not transgender or are making money off of transitioning. So, I, I, I mean, I've started an organization called Trade Voices, Transrational Educational Voices, and I have decided that if the media is not going to put us in front of people, I'll put us in front of people. Mm-hmm. So I created a tour that's going to start off in November if, if COVID allows. It's going to be uh, some of the most strategic voices uh, within the trans community. Uh, we're going to speak at Parliament. After Parliament, we're going to have a venue in London. After London, it's going to be Ireland, Scotland. Uh, we're going to go to Australia, Canada, and then back to the United States. Now, there's also going to be some more controversial people that are not trans on the tour. I- I'm going to make it so they, they, they can ignore us. And if they do, I'll just scream louder and louder and louder. I sold advertising. I was an advertising executive. I'll turn it up. Wow. <laughs> so- You've got your lion back then, and and you're going to deploy it. Okay. Yeah. And and the first and foremost, uh, the the front line is to do with child transition. That is the number one issue. Uh, It's the number one issue. Absolutely. I have three kids. Benjamin, I have three kids at the age that they're medically transitioning kids. And the thing that scares the hell out of me is if that one of my kids told me they were transgender I would have been the first person in line at the Dr. Crane's office. I would have been arguing with her other mother about how she was so transphobic and just a horrible fucking person. Okay. I would be the person that I'm looking at right now and going, snap out of it. Okay. Um, so I, I, I understand where, where people are, are, are coming from with that, but we have got to save kids. We've got okay. to save kids first. We absolutely have to. So on that note, then, what are some of the key um, like principles that changed you from somebody who would have been pushing their child toward getting all the transition that they needed to somebody who, I, I guess you, you haven't explained your position now, watchful waiting or, or this other position? No. What, what, what was animating you before? It's a good question. I've done it. So, and not a lot of people have. I've done it. And medical transitioning is brutal. So it is a watch and wait for me. It is a um, let's wait till kids have fully mature brains until they can, you know, weigh the pros and cons. This is, I, I told a, uh, a mom that, that just DM'd me last night. Here's the thing. Is there are some kids that need to medically transition. And I know that. And I was actually talking to another transgender person that feels the same way I do. And unfortunately, there are a very, 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 very few that would benefit from medical transitioning as a child. But there is no diagnosis. There's no test. There's no scientific, you know, doing a, a, a pick of blood and, you know, figuring out blood sugar and saying, you know, you need to be on this medicine. It is an I think, I want, I feel. Yeah. Uh, until that changes... The only people that should be making those decisions are adults about their own lives. And we need to have a structure, a guideline of pros and cons of medical transitioning. 
Okay. When people are old enough to decide that this is something that I want to do, A, B, they have information that is not a Disney version so that we don't have so many people detransitioning, then I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. And, and I, told, I told that mom that. I said that your, your child might, might need to medically transition. Might need to medically transition at 23 or 25 or 22, whenever that that person's brain is is fully matured. And I would tell your child, like I would tell my child, that if you are the person that will benefit from medical transition, I will be the biggest cheerleader. I mean, I will design uniforms for everybody in the family. You're going to get your, you know, first shot of testosterone. I would, I'll have a pile of people, you know, cheering you on. But do the work first before doing that. And the work is to grow up, hmm. to read, to analyze. We need to have organizations. We need to have uh, we need to have therapists that, that walk these kids. This is what happens when you do this. These are the options that you take. This is, you know, what you have to look forward to. You know, just like you look forward to get your driver's license at 16, you can look forward to medically transitioning at 22, 25, 18, whatever it's decided. But this is something that is a decision when when you're able to make that decision with a fully developed brain. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So what are some of the other things that people need to understand looking at this dialogue from the outside? Um, you know, just the passerbys watching Twitter fights and stuff like that. What the, I think the, the number one thing is, is that there needs to be some, some healthy skepticism coming in. Uh, people need to be held accountable. We... People need to know that Lupron, the hormone blocker, and you know, they they say that oh we're not using that in the NHS, we're not using that in the UK. Well, dumbass, Advil, and then you can have an off-brand of Advil. It's the same fucking thing. Okay. Um, Lupron was was deemed a criminal enterprise by the U.S. government in 2001 for false advertising, bribery, suppression of of side, exactly what they're doing right now. Okay. And they. He had to pay $874 million for doing exactly what they're doing right now. And they're the ones saying, it's safe. It's safe to use hormone blockers. We can jump over, you know, we can jump over the fact that you have mental development. You know, you have your bone structure, you know, comes together in, in strength. You have osteoporosis at 24 is not a big deal. Nobody knows what's going to happen with these kids, unfortunately. We don't know. What we do know is that long-term synthetic use or, or long-term use of synthetic hormones causes problems in a lot of people. Not a lot, but look at these 30 years on synthetic hormones, these trans women that are that are in wheelchairs, the stroke victims, you know, the suicide, all these kind of things. We're not talking about that. Health, trans health is experimental and get sick and you'll hmm. figure out real quick how experimental it is nobody knows because up until now medical transition was a very 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 rare thing so we don't know what these kids are are in for what we do know is their life expectancy goes down by at least 10 to 15 years what parent is hmm. can decide that for somebody mm-hmm. you know uh, would you be able to decide for your kid that, you know what, 10, 15 years, we'll cut that off. Hmm. We'll cut that off for an experimental procedure that we have no idea how it's going to affect you. But you know what? Fuck it. Let's do it. Because I don't want to go against the LGBT. Sorry, I'm going against the LGBT. Why Why do you think that that has been... Uh, how, how in the world did we come to this juncture where... 
It, it seems like you're saying that the medical industry is motivated, but it seems like they've used uh, some a- aspects of LGBT rights uh, to kind of get their way. Is it a kind of a cloak and dagger thing, or is it just like a confluence of of uh, intentions that are just working in this way? Is there? I think it's a culmination of a whole bunch of stuff. I think it's just the time period. I think it is a cloak and dagger stuff. I think that uh, <laughs> PR people are brilliant. Um, Susie Green of Mermaids is probably should be should be paid about a billion dollars for her marketing schemes. The the way that she has placed you know this kind of stuff, the way that she's placed this information in young children's hands, you know, very moldable, placing it, placing herself right in front of the LGBT. And unfortunately, and I'm going to piss a lot of people off, which is you know something I do a lot. The LGBT is not an organization that I that I think holds anything to me. I mean, I, I was talking to my ex the other day, and and if somebody told me that, hey, the LGBT, they're going to have a, a new flag for people that like to fuck dogs in public, I'd be like, sounds about right. Hmm. Sounds about right. Hmm. We have stepped over issues being gay and lesbians. We have stepped over the line. We do not have leaders that say, wait a second. Hmm. Wait a second. Uh, fetishes are, are not part of sexuality. Sexuality is men. You know, homosexuality is men that are attracted to men, women that are attracted to women, and bisexual people. These these are things that we need to to you know move forward. These are things that we need to protect. We do not need to protect flags for people who like to fuck dogs in public. Mm-hmm. I mean, unfortunately, that's what's happening with the LGBT, and there's nobody that's saying anything. Yeah, because people that say stuff are getting railroaded, like Rollins. Okay. Yeah. Why do you think that the um, the LGBT, as you call it, has proceeded down this path? Is there why is there no checks and balances? Anybody? Pardon me. Nobody wants nobody wants to offend anybody. Okay. And what what is where did that come from? What what is that about? Because there's where are the people in the LGBT that are standing up saying, uh, "Excuse me, gay pride is not it's not about gender." Gay pride is about sexuality. Um, transgender issues have nothing to do with sexuality. They need to be separated, like they did, you know, with the LGB. Um, mm-hmm. We need to hold people accountable. We need to protect children first, because if we don't, we are no society. We need to make sure that um, you know what we're putting forward there is basically that if gay and lesbian kids are, you know. If there are gay and lesbian kids growing up, that they know that they're going to have a loving community once they grow up. But until then, you know, we're going to leave them alone. That's what trans the trans community needs to do. They mm-hmm. need to know that there's going to be a community when they grow up. But other than that, we need to take our hands off a of kid okay. because kids are too vulnerable. What have you been interacting with uh, the younger folk, and what are some of the things that you tend to say or that you think that they need to hear about this? Uh, I, I don't talk to children under eighteen. It's not my place to talk to children under eighteen. Um, I would have a shit fit if somebody talked to my kids about that stuff. So I don't do that at all. Mm-hmm. Now, if parents talk to me, um, I'll talk to them. Some of them have wanted me to talk to their children, and I have. Mm-hmm. I have a way with talking to kids to, to redirect them with love. And if their parents are okay with, with that, I talk to them beforehand. 
um, and tell them what I'm going to say and make sure that they're okay with that. But I have no right to talk to anybody else's kids. Just like Susie Green has no right to talk to anybody else's kids. She needs to get the fuck away from kids. Hmm. Well, okay. Let me rephrase that. If a kid ended up watching this because they're uh, questioning um, these topics, what are some of the things that you would want them to know? If somebody in their that's teenage I, years. That's what I would want to know. With all the negativity that's coming out of, of my mouth to the trans community, about the trans community, I want them to understand that I am trans and that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And medical transition has helped me and it does help some people. But you're a kid right now. Be a kid. Just like when I went to my dad at, at 15 and told him that I was a lesbian, he said to me, well, that's great. You're 14. Who are you having sex with? And I went, nobody. He said, okay, so you're a kid right now. So I go, okay. And he's like, you know, don't, don't put yourself on a, you know, on a, on a cliff and jump off without being able to climb back up. So I did a couple of years later, I came back and went, Hey dad, I'm bisexual. My dad went, Great, you got a better chance of a date on Saturday night. Although I don't know why anybody would be attracted to men. They're fucking horrible. You know, so, I mean, it was just keeping it light. And then again, yeah. he came back to me and said, who are you having sex with? And I went, nobody. He went, again, we're talking about the clip. And so that allowed me to, to figure out who I was. So childhood is figuring out who you are. Childhood is figuring out and thinking that one year that you need to medically transition. And the next year... You need to do something else. The next year, you, you need to do something else. Childhood is not the place where you jump off a cliff. It's not. And it needs to be a loving place. If you grow up and you decide to independently transition, then I want to give you all the information for you to make a choice about medically transitioning that is the right choice for you. It's not your parents. It's not your parents' choice. It's not society's choice. It is yours and yours alone to make without anybody pushing anything on you. That's what I would tell them. Mm-hmm. And what, what are some of the uh, things that you would say to people who have begun the process of transition that are, that are experiencing those, uh, that, that sea change uh, that, that you were talking about? Uh, I, I kind of already asked you that, but what are some of the ways in which you um, reconfigured yourself and, uh, you know, kept hope uh, during, like, some difficult uh, periods? Um, you know, I, I got so sick for 17 months after my phalaeoplasty that I really wasn't able to do anything but, but think. Um, there was just a lot of thoughts that, that came into it, and it, it took me a long time to come to the point where it was... Um, something I could say that, you know what, I did this and this was the right thing to, for me to do. I, I cannot be hiding behind an illusion anymore, a delusion. And unfortunately, we do that as transgender people. We all do. From the beginning, you know, we want to convince people that I was born in the wrong body. You know, I was supposed to be male or I was supposed to be female because it soothes us because it makes it not about our decision. Um, you know, so we go through that process. Once that process, you know, is over and you come to a point, and I think it's one of the reasons why the suicide is, is so high, is we just get forced to deal with biological reality, you know. And so it takes a long time to think through that process. If, we're, if we allow kids to keep being delusional, young people that are starting to medically transition, that it's okay to, to you know, 
it's okay to be delusional. It's okay to think that biology is is incorrect. I know it feels really good. All those charts that Susie Green does, you know, on mermaids. I know that feels really good, but it's not logic. Let's express and 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 open up the fact that this is reality. And the reality is is that being trans means that you're not male, you're not female. You change a modified, you change a, a birth hormone. And you modify it with a synthetic hormone. You are no longer male or female. And you know what? That's really cool, <laughs> Benjamin. It's really, really cool. I've seen life as a female and I've seen life as a male. And that is the coolest. It's it's a really cool experience. Why can't that be enough? <laughs> Why do we have to create a delusion that's going to come back and just punch you right in the face? Because it does. <laughs> yeah. It punches people right in the face. That is one thing that uh, I've found um, positive about speaking with trans people is that they get to have a different perspective on things that most of us kind of either fight against or take for granted, but are kind of locked inside of. And uh, so in that spirit, what are some of the advice that you can give as being a man, um, having been a woman? Like, what are some of the tips and tricks? uh, to be in well, a, God, a good guy. Go there, do we? The one benefit of being a trans man, there is one huge benefit of being a trans man, and that is that uh, we know how to make love to women. You can't fake it with us. We know. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, that is a benefit. Uh, there's there's lots of benefits of, of, of medically transmission. There's some really cool things. I'm involved in conversations I never was involved with. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a woman, I see I see things uh, differently. Hold on here a second. I just got this. I see things um, differently. I hear things differently. I have a lot more respect for men than I used to. Hmm. Uh, based on I, based in what? Um, like what is? The... I think men have really incredible, deep, deep hearts, feelings uh, that a lot of them don't don't really tell a lot of people because they're afraid that it's. Uh, it might be just a little bit unmasculine. I, I think I've, I've gained a lot of respect for men, honestly. I've, I've, I've been pretty scared by some of them in conversations, honestly, that, you know, kind of like, wow, I didn't want to hear that. But in the mm. majority, I've, I've gained a lot of respect for men. Is that something that you experienced when you went on to testosterone, like having to deal with a different palette of emotions, a different set of uh, intensities? Mm-hmm. And Yeah, uh, actually... One of the things that it's, it's quite interesting, and, and, and I talk about this with other trans adults, is that I used to be a crier. I mean, I would cry. I'd watch a Hallmark commercial. My kids used to make fun of me. I'd be like, God, it's a really sad commercial. I'm crying constantly. And now it's like, I need to cry. I really need to cry. I really need to figure out a way to let that energy out. And I can't do it. Oh. Uh, so there's lots of things that change. Yeah. Yeah. Do you um, end up uh, sinking that energy into something outside of you, I guess, like a a physical activity or building something or just getting mad at a a TV remote and throwing it across the room? Is there? (laughs) Yeah, I find that my fuse is is a lot more extended, but once that fuse is there, it's just like, you know, I I actually talked about the TV. I just broke the TV probably about two months ago because it got so fucking so soft. But yeah, the the fuse is extended, but, but. once it uh, once it gets there, mm. I get a little bit more. Yeah. Mm. So uh, your organization, could you pronounce the name again? Tr- Trav and uh, you guys uh, are going to Trey Voices. 
Trey Voices. So what are some of the things you're going to be doing? You're, you're going on a speaking tour. Is there... Um, there we go. I, I'll link that in the description. Is there... Uh, what other resources need to be out there for uh, gender questioning or trans uh, individuals or parents thereof? Uh, There's so much that we need to do. There's so much that we need to do. We need to categorize and define uh, what transgender is and what it is not. Um, hmm. We have to put safeguards in place for trans women. It scares me some of the stuff that they they deal with. But then again, I can't until women are safe, until kids are safe. We can't do anything in, until those two people are safe. So there's lots of stuff that we have to do. But we're talking, we're fighting with a, a billion dollar industry. We've got to stop kids from medically transitioning first. We okay. have to. Okay. So the the priorities is this is really interesting um, kind of moral matrix that you're you're showing is that you want to protect kids and then women and then uh, the trans adults. Yes. And why why that? What's the reasoning behind that? Uh, you've expressed there's some with over, there's an overcompensation in our society. There's an overcompensation. Um, society is thrown. To the wolves before a marginalized group is and society is thrown at a huge huge unbalanced level it, it it has it has tipped it used to be that society didn't care about marginalized people and they walked all over them, gays and lesbians everybody they didn't care it was the white straight males that everybody protected now it is the opposite and it has gone too far it has gone too far. So we are overcompensated. Marginalized groups are overcompensated now. Mm-hmm. And why is it important, or what's your view on the importance of protecting women, and in what way do women think you think need to be protected in relationship to women's rights and trans rights? What are the key issues there from your perspective? Well, um, I... I I think I, I understand what you're asking. Here, here's what I believe needs to happen with women. I think that trans women need to get the fuck out of women's sport. I don't think it's fair. I think that people that have transitioned know that it's not fair. Um, it doesn't matter how long somebody's on estrogen. You're not going to get rid of uh, the, the organ growth that happens with males. You're not going to get uh, rid of being able the lung capacity, the muscle mass, everything. It doesn't matter how long a man's on testosterone. They're not going to lose all the benefits physically. They're not. So they need to get out of sport, number one. Uh, number two, women's positions need to be for women. We need to protect women first. Uh, and then once that happens, we can start protecting the, the trains. And unfortunately, women are getting thrown under the bus, and it seems to be okay with everybody and their uncle, and it's just not. Hmm. Hmm. So what are some of the things on your plate um, right now, then? Uh, you guys are getting up this uh, this coalition going. Um, what are some of the steps you guys are making or, or working on? Uh, what we're doing right now is I'm, I'm talking to some uh, lords uh, to, to speak in Parliament. I'm putting together um, a line of speakers. I'm, I'm working on some pretty controversial speakers that will, will join us. I need funding. Unfortunately... Hmm. There are no companies that are coming out saying uh, we 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 want to stand with with this rational side of, of the transgender community because it's just it's too controversial now. So um, hmm. 
I need to get venues. I need to get uh, advertising PR. And uh, so I, we need donors. It's what we mm-hmm. need. Mm-hmm. And how, how does one go about um, making donors that it's all going to be individual or are there any For organizations? Right now, yeah. I have not had any organizations uh, reach out to me, but one thing that I have known, uh, Benjamin, is that when I decide to do something, my brain plays chess. I'll figure it out. There'll be a corporation that comes on. I guarantee it. Mm-hmm. I just don't see it right now, but yeah. it'll happen. Okay. And what about um, spaces for discussion? Where are some places where people can go or um, are there forums for this sort of discussion? Uh, do, do they need to happen? Is that what needs to happen? These these panels and stuff like that? Um, yeah. I, I There's there's organizations like um, called Our, Our Duty within the UK mm-hmm. that's has that, that speaks about uh, medically transitioning kids. You've got organizations like you know fourth wave now which is a, mm-hmm. a feminist organization that talks about uh women's women's rights that these these are pretty rational people they're not hateful there are some but not very many most of them want to find common ground and that's what i think people need to understand is that the transphobia that everybody's talking about i haven't seen it i don't know where it is uh, if if somebody wants to point it out to me let me know most people are accepting. They, you know, even if they don't quite understand it, and for all intent and purposes, I don't either. So I, I get that. Most people are like, you know what, you do what you do. You do what you do. Just don't hurt anybody else in the process. And we need to get people, society needs to know that most people are like, you know what, do what you do. Just don't hurt anybody else in the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like what you said about um, not throwing society under the bus in a way. And that is a very salient conversation to have. If, if we do need to upgrade society's morality or its ethics, then there's a way to do that that's rational and that includes more and more people into the conversation. It seems that parts of this conversation, whether it's uh, motivated reasoning from companies or from individuals, are shutting down our ability to actually, you know, kind of have an open discussion about this. And they bring out the weapons really early uh, to kind of stop the discussion or just get their way. They really do. And you know what I find is that if I'm not talking to some crazy asshole that, that you know, is just basically crazy and unfortunately I, I really believe that those are the people that are on the forefront of the, of the transgender debate are the ones that are just really delusional they should not be leading anything if you put those yahoos aside and just you know grab people that might not agree with you completely and totally if you just sit down and have a conversation there's there's a way for us all to come together but nobody can come together nobody can figure things out nobody can protect anybody until kids are protected and kids are not protected right now they are very very um exposed and vulnerable right yeah yeah great well i'll let you know when this is up and uh we can share it around all the social medias thanks for granting me the interview have you been on uh other programs yet no no it it took me i mean i think we talked i I was pulling up my skype thing we talked like eight months ago it's been a process it's been a process of i've been really really sick and i'm just now starting to get better starting to get my fire back and then it's kind of a process to um Mm. i had a i had a uh a parent that i was i was uh dealing with that had a child that commit suicide Mm. at 19 after their last uh after their last surgery and it was basically i uh i have been saying that 
coming for a long time. Yeah. And to kind of get that slapped in my face about nine weeks ago, it was a realization. It was, I don't know why, but it made me want to get out of it. I mean, I just, mm-hmm. I got so pissed off because I, what I said was happening was starting to happen. And, um, it took me about two weeks to kind of go, what are you going to do with this? Are you going to quit now? Cause it really hurts. Or are you going to try to push forward? And it was at that point when I said, I'm going to do this. And the lion came back. So. Hmm. Well, good. I mean, not, I mean, it sucks that there's a dragon, dragon, but it's glad to have warriors, uh, rising up. Absolutely. I appreciate it very much. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Scott. I told you eight months ago, you'd be the first one and you are. Well, here we are. Yep. Let's throw it down. Um, may this be the first of many. All right. That's good. (laughs) All right, Scott. Enjoy karate. Bye. Ciao. Bye. Congratulations for reaching the end of the podcast. If you enjoyed this product, consider donating to this channel via paypal.me slash Benjamin Boyce or joining me on Patreon. Also follow me on Twitter at Benjamin A. Boyce. Have a good night.